Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky of Break of Day Capital. I talk to leading experts to discuss a wide range of subjects to educate investors on best-in-class practices to build legacy wealth and positively impact communities. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Hey, everyone. We have launched the BODC Multifamily Impact Fund. Invest with a trusted operator with a track record of success. Our fund offers diversification, risk mitigation, tax benefits, and stringent acquisition criteria. If you'd like to learn more, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, I have my friend Alan Underwood. Alan's passion for entrepreneurship and helping others started at a young age. At just 22 years old, he started his first business, a pizza restaurant chain with no prior business or restaurant experience. He grew the chain to multiple locations and eventually sold the restaurants to pursue other opportunities. His next venture was a car dealership, which he grew to generate over $16 million in annual revenue. And now Alan is a full-time real estate developer and investor focused on development and ADUs in San Diego. Thanks for joining us, Alan. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Sure, Gary. It's fun looking back over the history of your life and just seeing how really non-linear that path has been. Then the fun thing about that is just recent discovery for me is learning why that was. I used to think that I just wasn't very focused and didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I've since come to realize that what I really love is growing businesses. And when we get to the stage of where they're stabilized, that kind of gets boring for me. So, you know, one point of clarity for me is I need to be involved with stuff that's growing and changing at a rapid pace so that I stay interested and engaged. If we get to the stage of a business where now it needs to be managed and and maybe that means taking it to the next level or something that's a really good point for me to turn that over to somebody who really loves that phase of business uh interesting yeah i'm I'm a bit the uh the same way and have had a, uh, lots of turns in my in my path but you know you've overcome some hardships and and i want to delve into that a little bit you know what was the impetus to to starting a, a pizza chain well that would That really was, I was working at the time managing six subways and the owner of that, of those subways saw this concept, really liked it, thought it was something he would like to do. So he asked me to go check it out and I was really intrigued with it. So I'd go and sit in the dining room uh, for hours and take notes on how many people were working and what equipment were they using and 
that moved into the layout of the kitchen, especially coming from, you know, Subway is a really tight concept and there's, they really understand the flow of their business. And I felt like this uh, restaurant operator didn't, hadn't really quite fully developed that yet. Or I'd sit in the back and and look at the delivery trucks that were coming in and how many boxes of cheese were they unloading and what other things were coming off the truck. And so it seems strange to say, but at 22 years old, I was just really curious and I really had a good mind for seeing how things operated. And so I did that and I went back to him after a few months. I had picked out locations. I had demographic studies on different locations. And I said, hey, here's what I think we can do and how it can be better. And he said, you know, I, I don't think that's something that I want to continue working on. And I was already sold. So I didn't know it at the time, but this was my first venture into capital raising. So I went and talked to my dad and pitched him the idea. He liked it and was willing to invest. And actually, one of the regrets that I have in life is that I never asked him why he chose to do that. What, what did he see in me? or in that opportunity. And that's been one of the many things after his passing three years ago that is a question that I wish I had asked when I had the chance, but I, I didn't even think to ask it. I was just too busy growing businesses and doing other things. So that's really where it started. And we grew that to four owned location and, and one location that we were partners in and then ended up selling them. After that, I my dad called me on the day that we sold them and he says, Hey, I, I hear that you're unemployed now. And I said, yeah, I guess I am. And he asked if I would be interested in managing a car dealership for him. So I went to work managing a used car dealership and I learned two things really fast in that experience. The first one is I hated being an employee. That was the first light bulb moment for me that owning something and being the entrepreneur was way more thrilling and satisfying for me than working for someone else. And the other thing was, is that cars make a lot more money than pizza. So I learned that business. I worked for him for three or four years, and then I let him know that I was going to go off on my own and open my own place, which we did in 2007. Great timing right before the financial crisis and everything crashed. And you know, I went from earning 150 to $200,000 a year to I think my W-2 after that first year of being in business for myself was $7,000. And I thought I was going to be homeless. <laughs> it, was, it was very scary. We made it work. We innovated. We created some new partnerships with lenders that really turned out really well. We ended up being the number one dealer in the country for one of our lenders for four years in a row from 07 to 11 and stayed in the top three to 10 dealers with them really for the next decade. So we did that for 13 years, grew at a million dollars year over year, every year until 2020 when we sold it. And that was, that was a bigger push out of that business. Uh, there was more, uh, I would like to say that that was planned, but it was really just a complete collapse mentally and emotionally on my side. And we can dive into how that happened. But and, and while you, you you got out of that and you got into real estate. What was the impetus for that? You know, and and what what attracted you to real estate? Well, so the first my first venture into real estate was not successful. So I actually bought two homes. I think it was 
it was either in 06 or maybe in the beginning of 07. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look now. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, one of them was here in the Valley. And uh, literally, there was a lady that we went to church with that was going through divorce and needed a place to live. And I was really just looking for a way to help. So we bought a house that we were going to rent to her. Uh, she never paid any rent. And so that very quickly turned into a nightmare situation. Now having to evict somebody that you're going to church with and trying to figure out financially how to carry that mortgage. The other one was a house that we bought in Utah with a partner and a good friend. And uh, that likewise crashed and burned. I can remember really clearly one week calling him and him not returning my calls. And so I decided to fly up there to see what was going on and got there and next to nothing had been done on the renovation of the house. Uh, it was just another disaster. So we ended up losing those two homes. But the real push into real estate came. It Some people might say it was an accident. I think there was divine design is what I would say. But we bought a couple of pieces of commercial property that I was planning on turning into car dealerships and decided against doing that. And then after we sold the dealerships, I went to visit with an attorney friend to ask what he thought about turning this particular piece of property into a shopping center, because all of my experience was really in commercial. And he looked at it and he said, well, you don't, you don't want to do commercial here. What do you know about multifamily? And I said, I don't know anything about multifamily. I, I want to do a shopping center. And he said, well, 99% of the people that I'm working with right now are trying to buy what you have. So I would suggest that you take a closer look at this. And he connected me with a developer who I took to lunch. And I remember on the back of a napkin, he got real excited. He's like, here's what you can do with this. And he drew an apartment complex and um, made me an offer on the property that was twice what I paid for it, just the way it was. I had enough presence of mind to ask what he was going to do with that piece of property and then uh, learned what entitlement was. And you know, for half a million dollar investment, basically, he could then quadruple the value of this property. I thought that sounded better than selling it. So we've that's what we've been doing for the last three years is working through the entitlement process. And that's I would love to say that that's really enjoyable, but it really isn't that enjoyable. And there's a reason why land gains so much value at entitlement is it is a grind getting to that point. But we're really close to the finish line there. And that that's really learning how to do that multifamily development threw me into the world of multifamily meetups and real estate meetups. And, and then what really accelerated that was uh, joining GoBundance a year ago and really surrounding myself with other people that really were a lot further down the real estate investing path than I was and seeing what they were accomplishing. And that um, really it's just turned into an obsession. So I was actually, Gary, for your listeners, it's really interesting how quickly life can change. So three years ago in October, my dad passed away. And that was after losing my father-in-law the year before that, my mother-in-law the year before that. And that was without a doubt the lowest point of my life. In fact, I was, I got really sick after my dad passed away. I think it was grief and COVID combined. And I can remember telling my wife that on the day they were burying my dad, I couldn't be there because I was so sick. And I, I told her if she'd put me in the car and just throw me in the hole and bury me, that, that that would be just fine with me. 
I mean, that's really how I felt about myself and about life at that point. A year after that, I became a licensed pilot and that changed my life. A year after that, I joined GoBundance. And now this year in October, we've just crossed the $1 million in funds raised on our first fund. And we've got another $2 million committed and meetings next week with uh, really sufficient committed investors that we could actually open another fund. So, you know, life can change really, really fast. And for anybody that is in that bottom place, uh, man, just hang on because you're just at the point where the roller coaster is going to start going up and it's going to get fun. Well, I love it. And, you know, that grit is, is, is so important. And, you know, your winding road to, uh, you know, many successful ventures is, is definitely impressive. So let's let's dive into the fun. I know you're you're kind of focused on ADUs, kind of multifamily in San Diego. Why that specific? Uh, I'd say asset class, and why San Diego? Yeah, well, San Diego is an easy sell for me personally. Going from Phoenix in the summer from 115 to 120 degrees, and having to go to work in San Diego uh, is an easy sell. There's a couple of reasons uh, why that asset class is. Uh, and this is so hard for somebody coming from Arizona or maybe the Midwest where there is a lot of land to build on. The idea of constructing an additional dwelling unit or an ADU in your backyard and then renting that out or having someone else live there is like completely foreign. But the reality is, is San Diego is landlocked on every side. So to the north, you have Camp Pendleton and other military installations. So the city can't grow to the north. To the east, you have the mountains. To the south is Mexico. And to the west, you've got the beautiful Pacific Ocean. And so San Diego's option is maybe a lot like it was in New York City 150 years ago, is you're now out of land and there's demand for people to live there. It's a Mediterranean climate. Plus, you've got every branch of the military there, plus their contractors, plus their families, tourism. Uh, there's just a lot of strong economic drivers in San Diego. It's the eighth largest city in the country. Uh, right now, there are 17 people that want a rental unit for every one rental unit that's available in San Diego. So there's a huge rental market there. And quite frankly, the what the big driver of our investment is, is there's a very large difference between the cost to build and what that constructed property is worth. So we can build for $250 to $300 a square foot, and you can sell for $700 to $1,000 a square foot. So it's a, a very simple concept, uh, value add, if you know how to navigate the permitting process and the construction process. And that's where we're, we really stand apart is we were vertically integrated there and, and uh, my partner, Christian, has done 31 units in San Diego. So we've got the experience to do it and the understanding of how to do it. And it was my part in the partnership to come and bring funds to that knowledge and understanding. It's been a lot of fun so far. Nice. And I know a lot of people, you know, don't want to invest in California or, you know, because of the, uh, it's so tenant friendly. Uh, there's so much red tape, but there's a ton of people making a ton of money because they're willing to do that work. There's opportunity everywhere, depending upon if you if you know how to navigate that and if you're willing to do that. Yeah, and I think to speak to that also is that actually I think is one of our advantages is that 
people hear something and don't maybe really understand everybody that I know that actually is investing in California loves it. And for our investment opportunity, because it's new construction, we actually are on the opposite side of that rental control coin because new construction has no rent control for the next 15 years. So we take a single family house and convert it into a fiveplex or a sixplex or a 10 unit small apartment complex. Well, now for the investor buying that property, not only do are they purchasing a brand new asset in a market that appreciates historically very well, but you're also circumventing those rent controls for the next 15 years. So you can raise rents at market rate increases where all of your competition, if it was constructed, you know, previously are locked into a lower rental increases. Yeah, that, that's a that's a huge advantage. I want to ask because you, you mentioned your pilot's license, and I know you work with a nonprofit. Talk talk about the nonprofit because it's worth mentioning. Yeah, thank you. So the nonprofit that I fly for is called Angel Flight West, and I actually just took over the Arizona wing for Angel Flight West in the last couple of weeks. But uh, Angel Flight West is a group of about two thousand volunteer pilots, and what we do is we provide non-emergency air transportation for people in need of medical care far from home. Really great example of that. My first flight was a young man whose name was Bradley. And Bradley was diagnosed when he was 15 with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And what that meant is that his mom, who was a single mom at the time, was putting Bradley in the car and driving him. They lived five and a half, six hours away from Phoenix Children's Hospital. So three times a week, she would get on the road at three o'clock in the morning to get to a nine o'clock doctor's appointment, be there all day, and then drive back to home because that's where her other two boys were. And you can imagine what that does, not only for him physically uh, in his recovery, being on the road that much, but financially, the wear and tear on the car, emotionally for her, physically, now you've got a mom that's exhausted driving back and forth. It's devastating for the family. And so my flight with Bradley was an hour and 15 minutes. So I can be on the ground, get him in the plane, get him to his appointment, get him back home before lunch. And that comes at no cost to the family, to the facility. Our pilots last year donated $8 million in like-kind donations. We're the only charity that I know of that can say what every dollar that you invest, we multiply it four to five X. We operated on a $2 million budget last year. And like I said, our pilots donated over $8 million. So uh, we also do flights uh, for victims of domestic violence and abuse. So we can fly them up to a thousand miles away so that they can get to somewhere safe. We do flights for military veterans and active duty military personnel. Uh, we fly in support of blood banks, disaster relief missions, uh, really any compelling human need our pilots will respond to. Wow, that's great. Where can people, if they want to donate, um, can you share like website or where where can they learn more about it? Yeah, angelflightwest.org is the website. And if you know somebody that is traveling right now for cancer treatment or a burn survivor, or transplant patient, if they're traveling anywhere at all, any distance, that's something that we can help with up to a thousand miles away. Donations are great. If you're a pilot and would like to volunteer, we'd love to have more pilots volunteering with us. It's an experience 
you know, Gary, there's, it's easy to think that you're having a bad day and then you get in the plane with an 18 year old kid who's going to find out if they can continue cancer treatment or not. And it really puts life into perspective and you don't have bad days anymore. You just have opportunities to help someone have a little bit better day. Love it. I love it. Uh, very wise words. Alan, thank you so much for, for sharing your story and many successes in the future on your on your fund and, and your projects in San Diego. Where can listeners find out more about your company? Yeah, our company is Momentum Capital Group. And our website is mmtmgrp, mmtmgrp.com. They can find us there. They can look me up on really any social platform. LinkedIn is probably the easiest to find me. It's the Alan Underwood. Uh, happy to connect. Awesome. Well, I appreciate uh, your story, giving back, your, your grit. You know, appreciate it. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Investor Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and leave a review as it will help us reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.